I hope uh, all of you had a, a blessed Thanksgiving. That will be not only the, the topic of the hymns, but the topic of this morning's message. Will you open the Word of God this morning to Colossians chapter 2? Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7 will be our text for this morning. Here the word of the living and the true God reads, Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. <clears throat> thanksgiving is not just a holiday that we celebrate in America once a year where the holiday typically consists of family, friends, food, and football. I, I call it the four, the four F's of a, of a typical Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is much more than that. Ox, the Oxford Universal Dictionary, which is a very, good, uh, a very good dictionary for the Word of God. It uses the Word of God for many of its definitions. It pulls from Scripture. It defines Thanksgiving in this way. The giving of thanks, which we can understand from, from the term itself, expression of thanksgiving or gratitude, especially act of thanksgiving to God, and an act or expression of thanks, especially a form of words, a prayer, or religious service used to render thanks for divine benefits, divine being with a capital D, meaning benefits from the Lord God. It is not just a holiday that we celebrate once a year, but it is something that we're encouraged to do as children of God all the time because we have much, much to be grateful for, much to be thankful for. <clears throat> Anytime that I read a passage in Scripture that, that encourages a certain behavior, I want to, to note who it is. I want to ask many, many questions and have them all answered. Who it is that it's being written to, when is that admonition applicable? And why would that admonition be given? So let us examine those questions this day upon this text. So who is this admonition given unto? Will you come to chapter 1 of Colossians? Chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother. So here we have the author of the epistle, the, the human author, the one whom the Lord was pleased to give the words to. And notice also that Paul was not an apostle by his own will. By anything that he had done or desired, he was an apostle by the will of God. That is why we don't have apostles today, because it is not God's will that we have apostles today. Not because we don't have enough faith, or we don't believe in God enough, or whatever other reason it may be that is taught today. It is because of the will of God. Timotheus, our brother, to the saints. So that is who he is writing to, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, which is why we have this epistle named the epistle to the Colossians. He is writing to Christians that are located in Colossae. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This epistle, just like every other epistle in the New Testament, is written to Christians, those who are saints, who are called uh, called by the grace of God, those who know the Lord God, they've already been baptized, they've already professed faith in Christ, they've already uh, been awakened to spiritual life. All of, all of those things are these epistles written to. So by that, we can understand that this, is, that this epistle's for us. 
those that have come to know the Lord God, that this encouragement is for us. So when, when are, are we to do what it is, what, what, we're ex, what we're exhorted, what we're encouraged to do here? Let's get verse 6 for context. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Now it's not talking about physically walking, though we do, though we do that. It's talking about living. We, we sometimes talk about our walk in this life. It's talking about our manner of life, our way of living. Rooted and built up in him. That's how our walk is to be. And established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. One may ask why we receive Christ. We do receive Christ. We do receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to John chapter 1 and we'll see that described. <clears throat> John chapter 1. And verse 12, we'll get verse 11. He came unto his own, Christ, came unto his own, that is Israel, and his own received him not. The majority of the people of Israel did not receive him. <clears throat> they, had nothing to, they wanted nothing to do with him. They didn't like his teaching. They didn't believe what he said. But as many as received him, to them gave he power or authority to become the sons of God or to openly manifest that they are the sons of God. We've been the sons of God from all eternity. When we were given to the Son in eternity past, because we were chosen in Christ before, before the foundation of the world, we were the sons of God at that point. We didn't know it, but he showed it to us, even to them that believe on his name. Those that believe on his name are the sons of God. That includes the women. Just, just in case you, you weren't aware, women, you are included there. Which were born. So here, this is what happens prior to the receiving. This is what caused them to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. They, which were born, not of blood. It doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter who your great-grandparents are. It doesn't matter who you're descended from. God's the one who's in charge of those things, and we're grateful for our parents and grandparents. But as far as receiving Christ, it doesn't matter who your parents are, nor of the will of the flesh. It isn't a decision that you make. <clears throat> the, the flesh doesn't make a decision. Nor of the will of man. It's not what others wanted for you. But of God. God's the one who decided when they were born the first time, and he's the one who decided when they were born the second time, and being born the second time determines when one receives the Lord Jesus Christ. These Colossians, had, that had already happened. They had already received the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Live, live in his ways, walk in his ways, as he, would, as he has described in his word. And why? Why would we walk in his ways with thanksgiving? That's where we'll, fo that's where we'll focus today. Because we have much to be grateful for. And, and I won't get into specifics of your own lives. I'll give you some specifics from the Bible that you can then take and apply to your own life. You can see the, the, the parallels of what God has done in the scriptures to your own life. <clears throat> this being rooted and built up in him, the principal thing, and being built up. You build a foundation before you start building the walls of a house, or at least you should. You should build a foundation before you start building the walls. If, if you do not, the, the house will not stand. The house won't stand for long, that is, especially in Oklahoma with our winds. 
So you rooted and built up in him the true foundation, the true, the true root, established in the faith, in the faith as they have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Some things that we have to be thankful for. Deliverance. Deliverance is the, fir- the first one that, that and, and we could go all day. I'll only list a few, a few things in the word of God that we have to be thankful for. Physical, temporal, earthly deliverance. Come to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And verse 8. For we would not, brethren, or we don't desire for you, brethren, to be ignorant. We would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. Or that is, we don't desire for you to be ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, or Asia Minor, Turkey. That we were pressed out of measure, Paul and those in his party, pressed out of measure, insomuch that we despaired even life. They, couldn't, they wouldn't have made it through in and of themselves. They despaired even life. Can you imagine that? The Apostle Paul hating his life. He doesn't want to live anymore because of what he's going through. <clears throat> but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Why? That we should not trust in ourselves. Sometimes, God's, sometimes God brings us to the end of ourselves that we may learn a lesson. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in the God which raises the dead. They desired to be dead. They desired to die. They didn't want to live anymore because of the trials that they were going through. How many times did Paul, how many days did Paul spend in the deep, shipwrecked, and, and how many deaths did he face? How many, I, know he di- I know he died at least once because he's not living today. There was another time that he was stoned and left, and left for dead. I think he actually died then and the Lord raised him up. How many times did he receive 39 lashes? Several times. How many times was he persecuted? How many times was he run out of a city? And yet here he describes one time that he despaired even life. He himself, he hated, he didn't want to live anymore. But it was so that he wouldn't trust in himself. It was so that he wouldn't trust in himself, but in the God that raises the dead. He desired to be dead so that he wouldn't trust in himself, but in the God that raises the dead. Now we get a description. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, present tense, he still does it, and in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. So he's delivered in the past, he delivers in the present, and he will deliver in the future. You, you, can, think, you can think of how many times in your life, how many times have you missed a, what would have been a fatal car accident? How many times have you made it through a sickness that you didn't think you were going to make it through? How many times have you, have you made it through something that you didn't, you didn't even desire to make it through, but the Lord brought you through it? The Lord is the one who grants that, that deliverance. Acts chapter 12, another example of temporal, earthly deliverance that the Lord has done for his people in the past. And he, as we just saw, not only has he, does it in, not only has he done it in the past, he still does it. And he will continue to do it on into the future. Then there will be a final day of deliverance as well. Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 6. Peter has been imprisoned for his witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 12 and verse 6. But when Herod would or desired have brought him, would have brought him forth the same night. So the, the, the next day he was going to be brought forth. 
The same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, a chain around his wrists and a chain around his ankles. The keepers before the door kept the prison. So he had two guards in his cell and two guards at the door keeping the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison and smote Peter on the side and raised him up. Peter's sleeping, and he hits him. Hey, get up. And raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. Peter's imprisoned. And we would say it's, it's, uh, he's imprisoned not for a good reason, but he's still imprisoned. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, bind, bind on thy sandals, get him real tight. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. <clears throat> As dress yourself. We're going we're gonna to leave. And he went out and followed him and wist not or knew not that, that it was true which was done by the angel. But he thought it was a vision. He's, I'm, I am imagining pretty groggy. He's, been, he's probably had a really rough day and he was sleeping pretty hard. That angel smotes him on the side to wake him up. And so he's probably still pretty groggy. He wasn't sure what was, what was going on. When they had passed the first and the second ward, the first watch, uh, the, the first set of soldiers and the second set of soldiers, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into, unto the city, which opened to them of his, of his accord, of the angel's accord, of the angel's desire. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. So he's, now he's out in the city and the angel disappears. But the angel, one thing notice, that's a God-ordained act of civil disobedience. God didn't desire for his servant to be in prison any longer. He was imprisoned in unjustly, and, his, and, and our God delivered him. Our God brought him out of a place where he should have never been, but he was there because of the wickedness of man. God delivered him out of that wickedness, and when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation or the hope of the people of the Jews, because the Jews wanted him dead. That's why Herod imprisoned him, because he sought to do a favor unto the Jews, because the Jews hated the Christians. <clears throat> they hated Christ, and many of them sadly still do unto this day. It is a, 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 a thing that our Lord God does. He delivers his people. And we drop down to verse, uh, to verse 18. Now as soon as it was day, something to notice. God knew that this was going to, this didn't take him by surprise. And as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. They had all fallen asleep. Roman, the, the rule in Rome was if that prisoner escapes, it's your life. There were four prisoners, or four uh, uh, guards watching Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers, the four soldiers, and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and, and there abode. God knew that that was going to happen. But that was all, that was all in his purpose. He delivers, he delivers his people many times at the expense of the wicked. I can't, count, I can't count how many times I've seen that in the Word of God. We've discussed it before. What happened to Pharaoh after he desired to drown the Hebrew boys? He himself drowned. What happened, what happened to the Jews in AD 70 after they used the Romans to crucify the Lord Christ? The Lord God used the Romans to destroy them. 
How many times uh, Goliath sought to take off David's head with his sword? Sought to, he was going to feed David uh, to the birds, I believe it was. He was going to skewer him with his sword. But David took his head off with his own sword. Time and time again, the violence that they sought to do to others is returned upon their own head. The ditch that they dig for others, they themselves have fallen in. The snare that they laid for others, they themselves have caught themselves. They, they caught themselves in their own snare. The Lord causes that to happen to the wicked, delivering his people while bringing judgment upon the unjust. He is the one that delivers us. We, we ourselves have seen great deliverance, no doubt, in your own life. Something to be grateful and thankful for. Healing, another one. Another one to be thankful for. Come to the gospel according to Matthew. <clears throat> Here we get to see the actual, the actual hand from which healing comes. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 8. <coughs> the centurion answered and said, Lord, here a, a Roman centurion has come to the Lord Christ during his earthly ministry and, and said uh, in verse 6, My servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For the centurion, he really understood. He really understood the word of God. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me, uh, under me, and say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. <clears throat> so why did, why did the centurion say, you don't, I'm not worthy that you come unto my house, just say the word. And I know it'll be done. He, he knew Psalm 33. The Lord spake, and it was and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. He was a centurion. He understood that he was a man of authority, having people under him. When he told that man to do something, he went and did it. He knew that when Christ spoke, it was accomplished. He knew that all Christ had to do was say it, and it would be done. That's why Jesus, when he heard it, in verse 10, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. He believed God. He didn't just believe in God. He believed God in his word. He believed what God had revealed. He believed that Christ could accomplish everything he said he would accomplish. <clears throat> he believed that Christ was the Lord that he said that he was. And verse 13, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in that selfsame hour. Who is it that delivers healing? It's our Lord God. He may be pleased to use means, but he's the one who makes that means effectual. Why, why do not all means, if, if, if it was an exact science, if the Lord God wasn't in it, then why doesn't everything work for everybody? Because the Lord God is the one who makes it effectual. He's the one in charge of that. Why, that's, why one, that's why one thing doesn't work for me, but it might work for you. Because the Lord God is the one who is in charge of those very things. Matthew 9, <clears throat> another example. In verse 20. <coughs> and behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. 
But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that, from that very hour. Now it is not, in many cases, in many instances in the word of God, faith is put for the object of, of that faith. She didn't believe, oh, by believing, I'll touch him and I'll, and I'll be made whole. No, by touching him, by touching him, I'll be made whole. The object of that faith was the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The object of that faith, where she, was, where she was reaching for, was the Lord Christ. She knew that if she touched him, she knew, one thing that's very interesting, she knew that he couldn't be made unclean. She herself had been unclean for 12 years, according to the Mosaic Law. But she knew if I just touch him, I myself will be made clean. <clears throat> because she knew Christ couldn't be made unclean. That, that is an, ama an amazing thought in and of itself, that she had, that she believed God to that extent. She knew all, all I have to do is touch the hem of his garment, just the little uh, franges of cloth that came off the, the tips of his garment, and that she would be made whole, and she was. She was made whole from that very hour. Our Lord God is the one who heals. When we have had any, any healing in our life, I'm suffering from a, from a cough that doesn't seem to want to go away. But the Lord God will bring me out of that when he's pleased to do so. He is the one who makes, makes the healing of the body effectual. Anything that we may take, he is the one who causes it to be effectual. And he's even pleased many times to remove things whole cloth. We've seen it, we've seen it, I've seen it happen in my lifetime. And it's an amazing thing. Cancer removed. And, and there's no explanation for it other than... The Lord God was pleased to work so, uh, com completely on his own. There, was, there wasn't any means to, to remove that, that cancer altogether in such a short amount of time. It was the Lord God acting, acting on, uh, of his own accord. So not only do we have deliverance, temporal earthly deliverance to be thankful for, healing to be thankful for, but also any works that we do on his behalf, we also are to be thankful to him for the ability and the desire to do so. <clears throat> Come to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. A passage that I'm sure we've looked at in the past, but one to be reminded of. In verse 10. <coughs> Here the Apostle Paul states, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Now there's grace. There is salvific grace. Getting, getting what we do not deserve. That, that is much spoken of in the scriptures. But grace is not used just in that manner. There's grace for suffering. There's grace for... Uh, there, there's grace when we're given riches. There's grace when we're given poverty. To bear those things. There's, there's grace uh, given uh, for all sorts of things. For our works here. But his grace which was bestowed upon me not in vain. Not, salvific grace cannot be bestowed in vain. He's talking about grace for works. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Paul may have been the, the, the greatest man of God save the Lord Christ himself that has ever walked the earth. He labored more abundantly than they all, he states. 
Yet not I. He doesn't take the credit for it. What is it? But the grace of God which was with me. He gives the glory to God because it wasn't him that did those things. It was the Lord God that worked it in him. It was the grace of God that was with him that he gives the praise and the glory. Come to Philippians chapter 2 where, where we're told that specific thing. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not, in, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he's not saying figure out a way to save yourself. He's saying you've been saved, so show it outwardly. Work out. Your, so you are saved, so work, show it by your works. Remember James, in, in the epistle of James, I will show you my faith by my works. Because that's that's how we show that we that's how we show our faith in our in the Lord God. Faith isn't something that we have that's just esoteric out here in the ether. That's separate from what we do. We exercise that faith by what we do. We, when we believe God, we will walk in His ways. When we believe the promises that He has made, we will walk in accordance with those promises. Work out, show show out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God that works in you, worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. When we do anything that's in accordance with his word, when we do anything that's of his good pleasure, it's not us. It's the Lord God working in us to do that which is well-pleasing in his sight. <clears throat> the 24 elders in the book of the Revelation, they take their crowns and they cast them at the Lamb's feet. Those crowns were, are representative of rewards for works in this life. And it is, they cast them at the, at, at the Lord's feet because they know it's not I that deserves the crown. Because it isn't I that did those works. It is you. It is the Lord that works in us, both to will and to do. The desire and the ability to do that which is well-pleasing in His sight. He gives us both. The new man has the desire but not the ability to overcome the old man to do all that, all that is well-pleasing in the Lord Christ's sight. It is the Lord working in us that, that gives us both the will and the desire, or, or, or the will and the ability, excuse me, to do that which is well-pleasing in his sight. It is him that we are to be thankful for even our works that we do in this life. And most importantly, our salvation, something to be thankful for. <clears throat> all the, the temporal and the earthly benefits are wonderful, are something to be grateful for, but our salvation is the most important. For all, everything of this life will go up in flame. Everything in this life will, will one day not exist any longer. But our salvation, the, the, the eternal benefits that our Lord God has given to us, those, those are everlasting. Those, those we, will, we will take with us on into eternity. Our salvation being, being the most important thing that we ought to be thankful for. Come to First Peter, <clears throat> where we get the first glimpse in our own experience of what that is like. First Peter 2 and verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. That doesn't mean a weird or a strange people, though we are weird and strange to the world. A peculiar, a special people. A particular people. That ye should show forth the praises of him who 
hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a wonderful thing that he has done for us in calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come back to the epistle to the Colossians, chapter 1. A similar statement made here. Verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. Which hath made us meet, or made us fitting, or qualified us. He's the one who made us fitting. He's the one who qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Which means we're no longer in darkness. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We were under the kingdom of darkness. We were under the authority, the power of darkness. But now we're under the authority, the power of his son in his kingdom. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That is the forgiveness of sins. That redemption that's through his blood, that's where we're forgiven. The blood of Christ is what saves us from all iniquity. It's by his blood he's redeemed us out of every tribe, tongue, kindred, and nation, and has made us kings and priests unto our God. He pulled us out of darkness where we learn of our Savior, and we learn what he has done for us. Come to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9 where we see what the Lord Christ has done for us by his blood. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We're we're justified by the blood of Christ. Christ is the one who has saved us. Isn't that something to be thankful for? That is is something to give great thanks to the Lord God for. Come to chapter 8. What many would call the, the golden chain of redemption. A chain that cannot be broken. Romans 8 and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You know that that's something that Joseph understood a great, uh, a great deal. Joseph back in Genesis. He understood that, he understood that text. He didn't, that text wasn't written, but he understood that truth when he told his brothers when his brothers uh, came to him and they were like, well, you're going to be so mad. You, I have no doubt that you are furious with us. But he said, God sent me before you to preserve life. And then after Jacob died, after their father died, he, no doubt Joseph's going to be angry with us and he's going to cast us out. He's probably going to kill all of us. No, and Joseph says, no, no, no. What you meant for evil, selling him into slavery, Everything that had gone on, in his, gone on in his life, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. The very same thing, <clears throat> the very same thing, the very same act, two completely different moral frameworks. God did it for his good, that many would be saved, saved alive that day. For Joseph did a, did a great work in that day by the grace of God. <clears throat> same way with every single one of us. And we know it's not we guess, it's not a potential thing. We know for sure that all things work together for our good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. God, does, God ensures that that happens. For, and here's an example, because, for, or because, whom he did foreknow. 
those whom he chose to enter into covenant relationship before the foundation of the world. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might, he, the, the son, might be the firstborn or the preeminent one. Christ is not, he, is, he isn't created. He's not like us. He's not a creature. He's the only begotten son of God. That he might be the preeminent one among many brethren. That he might be the chief. Do you, do you know that you are the brother of Christ, including, including the women here? You're the brother of Christ. Christ is our elder brother. We're joint heirs with him, we're told, previous in this chapter. All by the grace of God. We don't deserve that. But the Lord God saw, saw fit to, ma- to make us that, to qualify us to be that, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, moreover, whom he did predestinate. So now we're continuing the chain from predestination. Whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. It's so sure it's spoken of in the past tense. Do you see that? We haven't been glorified yet, but we will be. It's so sure that it's as if it has already happened. And in our head, it has already happened. Christ is our head. And he has been glorified. So if he's, if he's glorified, we will also be glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? None. None can be against us. Because God is for us. God has, has worked all these things out. Something to be grateful and thankful for. Drop down to verse 38. For I am persuaded. Paul was persuaded of this. We ought to, if Paul's persuaded, we ought to also be persuaded, amen? That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, including ourselves, because we ourselves are also a creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not found anywhere else. It's not found in the world. It's not found in Buddha. It's not found in Muhammad. Is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord alone. <clears throat> and nothing shall separate us from that. The very next chapter, verse 15. We'll get verse 14 so that we, we get the question and the answer. What shall we say then? Is there un- unrighteousness with God? God forbid, or may it never be. For he, that is God, saith to Moses... Citing the Old Testament, Exodus 33, verse 19. I will, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him that willeth, it's not, what, it's not what one desires, nor of him that runneth, it's not what he does, but of God that showeth mercy. That's, that's where salvation comes from. How can we not be thankful? How can we not be thankful for that? That it isn't, it isn't what one desires, it isn't what one does. But it is what God has done that makes one worthy. That makes, that, that makes one fitting to be a, a partaker of the inheritance of, of the saints in light. 1 Timothy 1.9, just final passage from the, from the New Testament. At the ending of verse 8, 2 Timothy 1.8, God is referred to. Verse 9, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, 
not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us, which was granted us, as it, could also, as it is elsewhere rendered, in Christ Jesus before the world began. And that, the Greek there is chronon ionion, chronon, where we get our term chronology or chronological. The world, ionion, world of time, chronological time, before the world according to time began. So before, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Before then, this grace was already promised. Before then, God knew what his plan was going to be. Amen, brother. <clears throat> How can we not be thankful for that? Come to the Psalms. I want to show you that, that this thank, giving of thanks isn't just something found in the New Testament. <coughs> Psalm 95. As no doubt many of you are familiar with, thanksgiving, giving of thanks is found many times in the Psalms. Psalm 95 in verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord, why? For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. So not only for who he is, but also for what he does. Giving thanks for those reasons. Psalm, Psalm 100, just a couple, uh, maybe just a page over for you. Verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And the, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Something also to be grateful for, something to be thankful for. We, we find this throughout the Psalms, throughout the Old Testament. It isn't something that's just strictly in the New Testament. It is found throughout the scriptures. You know, it's also found in our country, in the founding of our country, giving thanks and praise to God. Thomas Jefferson, one of, our found, one of the founding fathers of this country, I and many of you maybe also were taught that he's a deist. What is a, a deist is one who believes, oh, God created, but then he stepped away and that we have, he has no interaction with us. Uh, he just set things about and things just go about as natural law and he doesn't believe the, that the God of Scripture exists. <clears throat> Here's his Thanksgiving proclamation. A portion. I won't read the whole thing and we'd be here for another 20 minutes. But here's a portion of his Thanksgiving uh, proclamation of Thanksgiving on November 11th, 1779, when he was governor of Virginia in the midst of the Revolutionary War. Remember, he's supposed to be a deist, we're told. Whereas it becomes us humbly to approach the throne of Almighty God with gratitude and praise. The deistic God doesn't, uh, doesn't interact with his creation. Uh, he goes on, this same Almighty God has prospered our arms and those of our ally, been a shield to our troops in the hour of danger. He continues, he hath stayed the hand of the spoiler, and turned back his meditated destruction, that he hath prospered our commerce and given success to those who sought the enemy on the face of the deep, that is, in the, in the waters of the ocean. And, so that's all temporal. He's thanking God for temporal blessings in the midst of the Revolutionary War. 
and, I'm going back to quoting, above all, that he hath diffused the glorious light of the gospel, whereby, through the merits of our gracious Redeemer, we may become the heirs of his eternal glory. That's no, that's no deist. That's no deist. Ah, that is one who knows the scriptures. We, therefore, resolved that it may be recommended to the several states to appoint Thursday, the 9th of December, next, that is the, the next month, to be a day of public and solemn thanksgiving to Almighty God for his mercies. He continues on in that thanksgiving uh, to request prayer, that God would forgive all our sins, that he would, he would cause us to be successful in, in the war and all of those things. It is a, a, a wonderful thing to read, to know that, that these men, they knew the scriptures. They knew the scriptures, and it, it causes me to rejoice that the founders of this country knew it like that. Thanksgiving is not just a one-day a one thing for us. It is a way of life, for we have everything to be thankful for. The, 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 the breath that we breathe, the life that we have, the clothes on our back, Think about the, the blessings of modern technology. The fact that, that we can sit here with lights. We don't have to be out in the elements to have sunlight. We can be in an enclosed building with heating and air conditioning and, and, and uh, all that we have. Cars that we can travel long distances. What a, what a blessing our Lord God has given us all of these temporal things. Most importantly, our salvation that he worked that he purchased for us by the blood of his son. Thanksgiving is, a, is an everyday thing for the child of God. We have everything to be thankful for. Let us always be mindful. Be mindful of these things, giving praise and thanks to our Lord God. Will you bow with me this morning, this afternoon? Our Father and our God, we are a grateful and thankful.